0: Welcome to Group Talk, four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Leadership Journey. This is your host, Bill Search. So honored and glad you joined me today. If you were here last time listening in, I introduced you to a favorite author of mine from my graduate school days, and maybe it's my life stage. I just turned 50 and I'm doing some reflecting, not in a troublesome way, but in a, I think a healthy way. And I'm looking back at some of the key influences of my formative years. And in particular, some of my favorite authors from those early years. And uh, discovered on my shelf and then got reacquainted with it Bobby Clinton's The Making of a Leader or as the book title describes Dr. J. Robert Clinton. But apparently to his friends he was Bobby. I'm not his friend. I wish I was. I would call him Bobby. That's a great name. If you go by Rob, that's great. If you're a Robert, that's awesome. But I'd go by Bobby. Although I'm Bill and I don't go by Billy. Some people say I should. Well, anyhow, I digress. In the making of a leader, uh, Clinton talks about really some of the integral parts. And one of the things I love, love about revisiting a book like this is I read it when I was not even a leader yet. I mean, I was barely, barely wet behind the ears and leading anything or anyone. And so it was theoretical in graduate school. But what I have discovered is that this book, I'm so glad I was required to read it because it has been foundational. Now I realize this because it was in the back of my brain quite a bit. Some of the ideas he introduced, I've lived with for over 25 years now, and they still ring true. And so um, as I have revisited my own leadership foundations, I have done so in exploring what Greater thinkers than I have ever thought have to say about this subject. And one of the great things about going backwards to a foundational resource where there's a proven track record is it saves you from some of the leadership material that gets introduced today that is unproven or untried, but it's theoretical and it's in a glossy book and it looks really wonderful and it's got witty, clever titles and you read it and you think, oh, this is really good, but it's sometimes more theory. But when you go backwards and it's from a person with a proven track record who continued to teach the same stuff over and over, there's something to that really something to that. And so, uh, one of the things that I've loved about the making of a leader is that Clinton speaks not just to the foundation, but also to the midpoint of your leadership, even into your later years. And as I sort of am leaning into a new chapter of my life in my fifties, I am, I'm beginning to think about the next phase and so he has spoken to the early phase. He's spoken to the middle phase, and so I'm moved by the picture that he paints of what could be in these next couple of phases of ministry life for years. Truly, so hopefully I've convinced you, if nothing else, to you know get the book on Audible or buy the book or read the Kindle or whatever. But uh, today I want to talk about one of the ideas that he introduces early in the book, and he talks about three big checks, kind of tests, if you could say that, in the life of a leader. The first one is an integrity check. In other words, checking to see if you've got integrity. There's an obedience check, checking to see, will you do what you're called to do? And then there's a word check, and this has a lot to do with the word of God. And so that's why I've entitled this episode, Integrity, Obedience, and the Word, Foundations of Leadership, because that's really what Clinton's talking about. And I think that's true for us too. And hopefully as you listen in, this is going to spark something in you to think about not only in your own life, but as you develop other leaders, these three are essential qualities of all leaders. If you have a leader that lacks integrity, you have a problem. In fact, Clinton says that God can't use someone without integrity. And I kind of wish that was true, but God has used people without integrity. I won't even name names. There's people from ancient past and there's people from just the past couple of months or couple of years that were well-known, well-established Christian leaders and integrity seems to have been lacking. It's heartbreaking. It's disappointing. So integrity is a big deal. And then there's obedience that have come across your life. There's things that you need to do. You have to say yes. And if you don't, there's a real problem. And then there's, what do you do with the scriptures? What do you do with the word? And so these are real foundational things. And hopefully as I talk about them, it'll stir something in you, not just for reflecting on your own life and your own story, but also as you work with other leaders, as you develop other leaders, you talk about these things too. That's really my hope with Leadership Journey. It's that as a part of listening in and giving your time to this, it sharpens your saw and helps you become a better leader. But I also hope that it's instrumental and helpful as you develop others. So that's kind of what we're doing today. So, you know, he, he introduces this idea of an, an integrity check. And I was, I was thinking about this in the early days of ministry. My wife had a, a friend. And uh, this is going to sound funny for those of you who are in my uh, kind of age bracket, a good Gen Xer, in particularly in the United States, you might know this And if uh, you're younger, you might think, what on earth is he talking about? But about 25 years ago, there was this um, thing that became very popular that you would print off photographs and then you would cut them up with these like clever scissors and then you'd buy these extra add-on stickers and labels and all these other things, and you'd put them in a book. And it, the, the whole thing originally was called Creative Memories, I think is what the thing was called. It might still be out there for all I know. Thanks to uh, the Internet and thanks to uploading photographs, you can do all this online without even so much as touching a photograph until it comes to you in your printed perfect bound book. But I digress again. <laughs> Anyhow, so this... Um, This uh, little hobby of creative memories was not cheap. The scissors, as I recall, were like 10 bucks a pair. And you had to have like five or six different pairs to make the whole thing worthwhile. And then all the other little add-ons and sheets of paper, it all added up quick. And we had no money. And my wife had a friend and she said, hey, you know, Bill works with college and young adults. And so... Why doesn't he have a special event for college and young adults and advertise and invite all of these college and young adults and you can have a creative memory party. And as a result, you know, Karen, you'll get free stuff. And there is a little temptation free stuff. Now, that's a silly illustration. I mean, throw a party, get free stuff. But in, in a minister's life or in a, a volunteer's life, there's always angles that can accidentally swamp the mission that you're living. It can accidentally become a competitor to the mission you're living. And one of the chief competitors always for all time is manna it's money It's stuff. And I remember that wasn't too tough. Uh, I remember even at the time my wife and I having a very brief conversation and even she was like, I don't think this is ethical. And I agreed with her cause it's not. I was I would be using my position as a minister to have a gathering of people in order to personally profit. Now, creative memories I think might be gone now, I'm not sure. But but there's always something to replace it. There's always a gathering or a party for which you can sell something. And it to me was an integrity check early in our ministry. Would I depend upon the Lord for his provision? Or would I use ministry for personal gain? And I made a quick decision. I would trust the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a bivocational minister. And if that's you, if you're like have a job and as part of your job, you also are heavily invested in ministry. Terrific. But for those of us who this is our vocation, we have to be abundantly ethical not to use the position we have in order to advertise another way to make money makes me think of the apostle Paul, what he wrote to the Philippians after they'd sent him a nice financial gift. He says, look, I've learned the secret of being content. I've had a lot and I've had a little, and it's all right with me. I can do all this. I can deal with all this through Christ who gives me strength. And so integrity checks come for some. It's uh, the integrity that says I'm going to depend upon the Lord and I'm not going to use ministry to my advantage. For financial purposes or otherwise, but there are different checks that come along to different people as they become leaders in the ministry. And so, this is important for us to talk about with our people. It's important for us to reflect upon that from time to time, our integrity will be checked. I heard uh, I heard somebody say years ago that the evil one watches the game tapes of your life, like the opposing. Uh, coach of the opposing football team they watch the game tapes of your life looking for opportunities to exploit looking for weaknesses in your defensive strategy and uh, i remember the first time i heard that put a little chill up my spine to be honest the thought that the evil one knows me better than i know me and knows what i'm interested in and from time to time we'll test it Reminds me of Jurassic Park uh, in the first one, the good one, the very first one, when, when the game park warden guy who's super cool in his khaki shorts and khaki shirts. And he's talking about the velociraptors and he says, they're very smart. They're always testing the fences, but never the same place twice. And I love that line in that movie. But think about that. Your integrity is going to be checked from time to time. And it's probably going to be checked in different areas it might be financial over here. It might be sexual over here It might be interpersonal over here. It might be in time management over here. It might be in stewardship of resources over here and the evil one is just testing the fences And so in order for a leader to become all that God intends that leader to become Well, we have to pass the integrity check Well, then there's the obedience check And uh, as I was reflecting on this, when I was thinking in the early days, I was a pastor, first church I served up in West Michigan. And um, I'll be honest with you, this is kind of a little embarrassing. I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before, but I had a hobby. I love history. I absolutely love history. I find history absolutely fascinating. So um, in those days, it was the 50th, 60th anniversary of the end of the Second World War and somewhere in there, for one reason or another, I thought it'd be cool to to collect some memorabilia from the Second World War. And it went from a hobby to an obsession to really an idol. Now, I, I feel embarrassed to admit that because I say that now. And I think that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that some guy would be obsessed with getting a canteen dated 1943 with a mint-conditioned khaki Pouch that it's in. I think that's the dumbest. Who who would who would care about that? Well, I did. Too much. It was a big deal. My wife and I would fight about it. That's how big a deal it became. I would uh, I would figure out a way to earn a little extra income here or there, or sell something on eBay, and then I would turn it around and buy something. Now we're barely making ends meet. I'm working for a church, and we're on actual. We're, the church I'm working for, we, we were so poorly paid back then that we were on government. Uh, what do you call that? Where you get free uh, free uh, formula for your kids, you know, free milk, w- wick, I think they call it. And uh, we, we didn't have any money. But somehow I could find extra money to buy a, a World War II helmet or a, a field jacket that was, you know, from that period of time. And again, I'm embarrassed to admit it now. Well, I went on a mission trip. This is in 2005. And I went on this mission trip. So um, on this mission trip, so this is, uh, I'm, I'm on this island in Lake Victoria. And the missionary is describing the growing congregation. That is developing on this island and how much it would cost to build them a church And it just so happened that the cost of building the church was the same cost as essentially the assessed value of my collection at the time Which it wasn't a lot by american standards. It was dirt cheap to build a building And uh, I know what you're thinking right now. He sold everything and gave it to them I didn't I didn't um one is I, that's not the obedience check. Um, actually, one of the guys that I was standing next to who was a very successful businessman, he's like, I got that. I'll take care of it. Just tell me who to write the check to. And he did, and they built a church. It was awesome. So I was off the hook, but the real question that was pondering in my mind is, what is the role of all this junk in your basement, Bill? And will you surrender it and give it to me? Will you quit checking eBay 17 times a day for certain things? Because that's basically what i was doing at work morning every hour on the hour i was checking ebay for things and and i remember thinking i mean i remember feeling the holy spirit saying you need to quit doing that I'm not interested in you doing that anymore and, uh, while I was on Bomberi Island in Lake Victoria, it was pretty easy not to check, uh, eBay. Cause I had no internet access. There was in the early days, even if I would have had a mobile phone back then I didn't, but even if I did, it wouldn't have been a smartphone with an eBay app. But, but I remember just standing there going, okay, God, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this. It'll be a hobby. I'll have some interest in it, but I'm done. And it was a turning point. I did. I came back. That was it. I was done. I still have a bunch of the stuff, but it, it's not what it ever was. And by the way, if uh, you name the price, you, you this the stuff's all yours. It's for sale if you want. It. But I share that because there comes these obedience checks in our lives that almost feel like they have nothing to do with the leadership that we're supplying, the ministry we're doing. But there is leadership uh, checks about whether we're going to obey God. And it's all like a little tapestry that's intertwined, but the thread that's way over there, is in a, is, it's interconnected with the thread that's right at our feet. And so I remember that day. I remember it was 2005, and I remember saying, Lord, it's yours. If you want the whole thing, you can have it all. If you, if, if you want me to be done with it. That wasn't what was asked of me. What was asked of me is, will you just stay off eBay? Would you just quit making this an obsession? And it was a turning point in my life. By the way, it was a turning point in my marriage. My marriage got way better when I quit caring about all that stuff. But I share that because for all of us, there's these uh, sometimes shouts from God, sometimes whispers from God. Sometimes it's the good friend right next to us, the person we're married to, our kid. It could be any number of voices that say, you have a You, you have a thing going on right here and it needs to stop. It needs to change. And the real question here is, will you obey? And oftentimes, at least what I have found, like my example of collecting military memorabilia is that it can be the dumbest of stuff. for, for many of us, an obedience check won't be don't watch raunchy movies because we don't watch raunchy movies. We we've obeyed that fine. The obedience check can be in the simplest stuff. Will you tithe? Will you give the resources back to God uh, in proportion to what he has provided to you? It could be something. And will you talk to that person over there? Will you give the time of day to the person in your congregation that just wears you you know i'm talking about you you just as i said it you pictured their face you said their name john stott i remember him he's a one of my favorite british writer pastors he was pastor of all souls Langham place in london for many many years and passed away some time ago but john stott shares a story of of um out of the corner of his eye seeing a woman from his congregation that just wore him out And in that moment, having enough of the Holy Spirit in him, saying, John, she is made in God's image and Christ died for her. And so he gave her the attention that was appropriate to a person made in God's image for whom Christ died. I was comforted when I read that story because I thought, oh, there's people, even a godly man like John Stott, who's written commentaries. There's people that even he would rather not talk to yeah, that's true for all of us. All of us have those people. So will we obey? Will we do what God tells us to do when He tells us to do it? This is a real check in our early formation. And then finally, there's the what what um, what Clinton calls the word check. And the easiest way to say this is,, um, when you read the Bible, do you do what it says? Are you more than just a, a hearer or a reader of the word? And in our culture today, and I got to ask you a question here, because you're just listening to me all by yourself. Probably if you're listening as an entire group, please let me know. Cause that'd just be, that'd be amazing, but also really strange. I'm guessing you're listening to this as you're working out or driving to work or something like that. Right? So as you're listening to this on the treadmill and nobody is around, no one is paying any attention. Let me ask you a question. Do you spend time every day in God's word? I don't mean a devotional. I don't mean the email that comes to your inbox from your church. or I don't mean, uh, uh, you know, our daily bread. Good things. Good things. I'm saying, do you every day spend five, 10, 15 minutes just reading a portion of God's word and asking the spirit, what would you have for me today? Do you do that? I know I asked that question. Some, some are like, absolutely. And some they go, not really. And again, you're all by yourself. So be honest. I mean, God knows. So don't lie to him. It's not nice. So, so where do you start with this uh, word check? Well, there's, there's the first place you start with, which is reading God's word. And, and I had a friend years ago who just told me, he's like, Bill, the truth is I'm, I've always been just terrible at that. I always feel guilty about it. So I suggested something different rather than self-discipline, rather than coming up with a regimen, rather than having some habit. Those are good things, but most people, those things wear off. So I just said, well, why don't you start with praying that God would give you a real hunger or thirst for his word? Just, Just pray, God, help me want to spend time with you and your word. I don't, in fact, be honest, God knows what's happening in your brain. So if you don't really want to own it, just say, I don't really want to do this or I get really confused, or I, I, I start strong and I finish weak. And so Lord, help me. Give me a real desire. One of my uh, old mentors in ministry, Stuart Briscoe, he used to say, don't let uh, your head hit the pillow till your nose has been in the book. And he means the Bible course. Well, that's a way of looking at it, is the word check starts with reading God's word. I don't mean just studying it for like a lesson or a curriculum you're writing or a sermon you're going to preach. That's that's the professionalism side of what we do, but I'm talking about like just what we ask the people in our congregation or our groups to do, which is spend time every day in God's word. And so it starts there. It starts by saying, God, give me a real desire for that. That's worked for me, by the way, I prayed for that. And then God has given me a desire for it. And so I don't even wake up in the morning and think, Oh, I have to do this. I look forward to it. I really do. And so And so uh, the next question with it is, is when you encounter something in the word, do you encounter something and you go, man, I know who needs to hear this. And it conjures up images of all those nefarious souls that cross your path that you think, my, 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 I should probably anonymously anonymously send them this verse. Maybe they'll quit sinning. Or do you,
0: (laughs) maybe you do that. You probably don't. Hey, all you amazing small group point people out there. Jason Banzoff here, group talk producer, and I wanted to talk to you real quick about huddles. Huddles were instrumental in my growth as a small group point person. I remember my first huddle. I was new to groups and had very little understanding of what to do. I was able to walk away from that first huddle with ideas to bring senior leadership and a plan going forward. After that, I looked forward to our huddles so much and eventually started my own. You see, the purpose of huddles is to learn, share, and grow With fellow small group and discipleship people in your area huddles are a great and free i said that free way for you to connect with others just like you in a meaningful way visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash huddles to find one near you and connect with other people just like yourself and if you don't see one start one today now back to bill search and leadership journey and that's the real word check i mean i think of the word
1: check as being twofold you're actually in it, and then you're actually trying to live it out imperfectly. I don't know anybody who does it perfectly, but they're trying. They're making an earnest effort. So as you as you think about these ideas, uh, as you think about them in your own life, and you think about them in the lives of your people, it'd be interesting almost to grid it out. Integrity, obedience, word, and almost give yourself a bit of a, a score, not for anybody else, just for you. And, um, you know, if if you're the kind of person that sees your glass as half empty, just recognize that just know, gosh, I'm always hard on myself. So if you gave yourself a lot of D's in there, they're probably C pluses or B minuses. And if you're the kind of person that's like the glass is overflowing and you have A pluses and all that, maybe give yourself a C here or there. And it's not because, uh, we can't have a high score in these, it's more of the honest reflection of how have I done and how am I doing? And it would be interesting too, as you do this, especially if you're at a different season, not a foundational season, but a later season of life for you to go, you know, as I think about this, um, I've noticed that there's some new integrity checks along the way. You know, I have five different streaming services and all the movies or TV shows that are being recommended. I know what's in there and I know where it will take my brain and that's not good. And it just so happens that a bunch of my friends lately have been telling me, oh, you need to watch this. You got to watch this. You got to see this. But I know what's in there and I probably shouldn't. You might be encountering right there an integrity check or if you... If you're having this sense, like the spirit has been kind of under your skin about a thing or two, you might be dealing with an obedience check. that's on your front porch, whatever it is in your life. And if you have leaders that you lead, this would be a fun conversation with them over a cup of coffee, introduce this concept, maybe share this podcast with them so that they come prepared to talk about it. This is the this is everybody's life. I don't care if you're a political leader, a church leader, a business leader. I don't care if you lead just uh, yourself or if you lead a family. If you have a a small group of people or you lead a big old Sunday school class or you pastor a small church or a medium church or a big church, this is true for all of us. There's always something that's going to test our integrity. There's always something that's going to test whether we obey God. And there's always going to be something that tests whether we will even spend time in God's word, much less obey it do it, live it. And so this is a, this is a noble pursuit. This is something worth reflecting on. And, um, as I have said this, uh, I hope it does a couple things for you. I hope it inspires you to grab Clinton's book. I've got a couple more of these podcasts where we're going to examine a couple other ideas that he introduced. I just think it's good stuff. I think it's great stuff. And he wrote this book so long ago, it stood the test. It's time. I'm very much enamored with books that stand the test of time, and this is one of them. But I hope it stirs you interest in that. But I also hope that it does something else for you that it gives you a tool, uh, some self assessment for your own leadership, as well as a way of developing the leaders God's entrusted to you. Because it's all part of the leadership journey, isn't it? Well, it's been great being with you. I look forward to being with you next time. Make sure you uh, tune in to the other channels that we have in the small group network podcast i love uh, i love each one what they offer i love uh, i'm a book guy as you probably figured out nick lens uh, reading lens such good stuff carolyn ketter is always interviewing somebody new and exciting. And whether it's uh, old problems that we rehash over and over or new opportunities that we're exploring, she always has such a perspective and she asks good questions. And, you know, if you, if you're not intrigued with what's happening inside Saddleback and Steve Gladen's wisdom, I come to Steve over and over and over again. And I'm i'm not saying that because these are my colleagues but i'm saying that because i think this would be really helpful and by the way the four of us are going to be on a webinar here uh very very soon just check the small group network uh, facebook group and uh, there's going to be probably some advertising there if not some other places as well but it's a webinar that we're going to do alongside our friends over at smallgroups.com and uh, you'll get to see our faces if you've ever wondered what we look like and you'll get to hear our voices and we'll be talking about some of the things we talk about on our podcast. So sure would be honored if you joined us in that, but make sure you subscribe to our podcast too. We'd be really honored because our goal is to help, to help one another in ministry and we want to learn together. So, Hey, drop down in the comments, uh, and let us know what you think of this one. And, uh, we would love to learn together. So thanks again. This is Bill Search along with you on the leadership journey. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically.